Hello all and welcome to the final episode of our three-part podcast mini-series special from Steps to Investing and our partners at Alliance Trust where we have been focusing on some of the benefits of being a patient long-term investor. Throughout the series we've been speaking to investors and financial advisors about the investing experience and exploring the long-term attitudes we need to adopt if we are going to get the best out of our investments and reach our financial goals. This week, we're going to finish off the series by speaking to a younger investor, Samson Dada, who is just starting out on his journey to discuss some of the concepts we raised throughout the series to see if this influences his approach moving forward. Samson, welcome to the pod. Hi, Mark. It's good to be with you this afternoon. So shall we start by just uh, describing a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from, what your age is, and also where you are in your career? Thanks, Marcus. So I'm from Manchester, uh, 30, and I work as a media publicist. So essentially helping uh, businesses look good and get positive coverage as much as, uh, as they can. Um, so where I am. Uh, at my career I think I'm sort of at a position where it's probably set in terms of what I'm going to be doing for the next 20 to 30 years which is working in in the media um, and I'm at that stage where I want to really explore a little further you know how I can really make um, my money go a lot further than it is at the moment with the high high level of inflation and high interest rates. Um, and you know, investments is one of those things that I've always thought about doing, um, but never you know, quite wanted to take the plunge to actually do that. Um, but now it feels like it, it is sort of the right time to actually you know, tr- try something a little bit different and you know, really take more of a longer term view in terms of finance and move from a savings mindset to more of an investment mindset. Okay, okay. Uh, we'll get on to that in just a sec, actually. That sounds interesting. Okay, so you're in the media industry. Mm. And how would you say, generally, up to this point in your life, how good have you been with your finances? I'd say when it comes to finance, I, on the whole, tend to stick to some fairly basic principles, which I think have guided me since opening my first bank account when I was 10 years old, um, which generally are mainly around, you know, trying to first and foremost buy what you need. And then also, you know, any sort of excess, excess funds try to really uh, save that, put that into some sort of basic savings account at the very least. I'd say generally, I'm, I've always been quite careful um, with money, but I do tend I tend to be quite sort of financially savvy. So I'm one of those people that I do I like to collect sort of loyalty points and uh, and whether it's sort of ne- nectar cards, sort of supermarket points, <laughs> sort of and, and coupons and those kind of things. So I've always had this mindset of you know wanting to actually save, you know, find value in things, make money grow. So I think I've always had those kind of principles, which I think probably lend itself probably quite well to to to, to investment um trying to 
you, you, you know, safe for the long term, but then find value. I would say that my general approach to finance has always been sort of quite, quite cautious, but I, I, I think now, been in the fortunate position to have saved over many, many years, and it's left me in a position now where because of, sort of careful financial management, I'm now in a position where I can say, right, here's some cash that I can put towards an investment which I can afford also be able to uh, also live as well. Okay, brilliant. So you have been quite a responsible saver. You haven't really lived beyond your means. You haven't presumably gone too far into credit and 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 um, been someone who's sort of built up a lot of debt? No, no, no not at all. I mean, I've never had a, I mean, a traditional sort of save traditional credit card um from from a from a bank. I mean the only credit cards I've had really with just I mean just to sort of build up some sort of credit has been with sort of the traditional um online retail stores of Debenhams, Amazon. Um, and usually I, they're paid off very, very quickly. Um so yeah, I, I've always been someone who has always um really really believed in trying to as best as one can um you know really not sort of take out that particularly you know consume particularly debt for you know consumer type goods um but um yeah i've been put to a position where i've never had to take on sort of any sort of large debts other than you know sort of your typical sort of student loan which is obviously you know Pay, pay back gradually fair enough okay and then you said you've more recently you've wanted to move from this kind of savings into having a bit more of a, of a, a longer term kind of approach and thinking further forward to the future so I suppose my question is then what are you trying to achieve with your finances what are the financial goals that you'd really like to achieve so I think for me like, like most people always want to own your own home and be in the position to retire but I think above all I think what underpins all of those is to want to be uh, financially comfortable and actually have the choices which come with that so be, to be able to say okay that maybe I can retire um, in my 50s and or reduce my hours um, maybe I can even maybe buy a home outright. So I think for me, it's about actually being able to have more of these um, discretionary, what I call discretionary choices, where I, I, I can be in a position to um, dictate more of what happened rather than it being forced on me. So rather than being in a position where you have to work longer because of financial situation, I'd like to be in a position where I can just have, have those choices. Okay, so financial freedom is is a big part of what you're trying to achieve, and potentially with that, that might be retiring early or at least reducing your hours at a at an earlier age, so that you you don't need to work full time all the way up until sixty five. So, yeah, I, I I would I would say so. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And then you said you you know you've been quite sensible. It sounds with your finances, you obviously don't take out lots of credit and and you've been quite good at saving would you say that translates into you being 
quite risk averse or, or are you quite happy with the concept of having to take some risk in the stock markets in order to earn a reward? Yeah, so I think if I can see what the path is to a good rate of return, I think that is um, a key consideration for me when deciding whether to make an investment or not. And I'd also say that the risk aversion, as you say, probably is lessened somewhat. Um, if I ask myself, you know, can I afford to put this money away? Can I afford, in the worst case scenario, to lose this money? Uh, I think that takes away some of that feeling of anxiety um, and feeling of feeling of um, of, of risk around um, investment. But um, as I'm getting older, it's it, I suppose it's about trying to actually assess um, different types of risk. So, it, it, you know, risk um, which is worth doing, um, which is a, a lot more calculated rather that, you know, that's informed by some sort of reason rather than, you know, just actually gambling, which is just essentially, you know, a more sort of speculative kind of risk to say, to say the least. So, yeah, I, I would say it's important to actually... Um, for me to have an open mind about risk actually and actually differentiate um, the different kinds of risk because I think th th there are good kinds of risks and there are bad kinds of risk and I think it's important to 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 be sort of conscious of those and I think with risk as well there's always a danger where you can get paralyzed um, and not and where you don't make any decisions you know you just keep your money in the bank being eroded by inflation so I think having that differentiation helps um, with actually trying to move forward with taking on some risk. Okay, interesting. So you're, you're, you're beginning to appreciate there's a big scale when it comes to the risks that we can take, and I suppose, therefore, the uh, returns that we can make of these things. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say that's definitely, definitely fair to say. I have read and heard from experts, my sense is that you know, a, a good starting point is is, is to is to um, you know diversify one's portfolio to a certain extent. Obviously, you don't want to spread yourself too thinly, but putting one's eggs in one basket isn't necessarily the best way to go. Now we're going to get into some of those bits around the investing uh, side of things in just a sec. But I was quite intrigued, actually. You know, we've seen savings rates at rock bottom for for a decade or so but more recently they've been rising but you were saying about how you've been quite compelled to move away from saving into investing even though we're seeing interest rates rise on our savings accounts why is this yeah so i've been tracking the um savings and interest rates very extremely closely actually particularly the fixed term bond um markets and you know there has been the 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 biggest rise in interest rates for for decades you know you're seeing you know even even six month bonds almost reaching four percent but um it, you, you know it's still considerably uh, below the rate of inflation um at the moment so it sort of, it sort of feels like even the, 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 the i mean the banks are you know i'm not really passing on a fraction all these interest rate rises to 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 customers, um, and 
you know, it does feel like even in the fixed term bond market, they're still playing slight, a bit of catch up. So even though you could see in, um, savings rates were going up, you were also very aware of the idea that inflation was still much higher than this. So the real rate of return that you receive is actually negative still. So your cash is still eroding in value. It's still going backwards, sitting in a savings account, um, which is, a, I think, it's a very and very isn't a very important thing actually to to um, remember. Okay, so then you started thinking about stock market investing. What what had been your? I mean, we briefly touched on this, but what had been your sort of understanding and an impression of stock market investing up to this point? Yeah, so my, my understanding of stock market um, and investments has actually always been around high-risk speculation and excessive trading, gambling. And I think that impression was probably fought by the financial crisis when some of that behaviour uh, contributed to the, to the banks collapsing. But actually, when I sort of read more about investment and listened to podcasts such as yours, it's I've actually come to the realisation that it's a, there's a lot more nuance, there's a lot more to it than that. You know, it's... Uh, it, you know, it, it's not speculation. It's not um, about, um, you know, forex trading because my, my first experience in investment, thought it was called binary options. And I came to realize that it was essentially gambling and speculation. Fortunately, I was able to get the money back because, you know, I, I was able to make the case that it had been missold to me as an investment when it essentially wasn't. But yeah, I begin to come up realize it's a lot more nuanced than that. There's lots of different options for different kind of purposes. Mm. So there's, mm. you know, yourself. Um, you know, you, you, you're, you're, you can invest in a personalized pension to invest in obviously fixed term bonds. But there's also funds as well. Um, and there's also you know a lot of guidance and advice out there. You know, you can pay advisors to actually you know guide one through. The, the investment process, particularly when one's doing mm. it for the first time, actually, it is about having that long-term view. So, yeah, my first sort of stereotypical impression was more around the banking speculation side of things. But as I've learned more, I, I, I've learned that it's, you, you, you know, I also, you know, it's not just for people in the city. <laughs> you know, it's, mm. it's something that anyone uh, can, can can really get into it's not it's not closed to anyone it's an open um, marketplace if you like which is obviously which is fully regulated um, by the financial conduct authority mm. and it's not necessarily something that you have to really fear so you you realize that you didn't know an awful lot about the investing world that your impression of it was that it was could be quite speculative and that you wanted to learn more and that when you did you sort of uncovered this this whole world of uh of investing that was much more sensible much more long-term in terms of its structure a lot more managed approach to taking risk correct yeah i, I remember because I, I remember the financial crisis sort of quite quite work i think i was just sort of coming out of um i think i was just going to college at the time so it really stayed fresh in my mind that, that, that crisis um and the banks going into a lot of trouble 
So that, but, but over the years, it's become a, 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 a lot more informed, I, w- I would say. Did you, so you learned a bit more about investing and in terms of the concept of funds, so collective investment vehicles, things like unit trusts, investment trusts, ETFs, whatever it is, did this sound quite appealing? This idea that you could invest in the stock markets and take quite a diversified approach to taking risk? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm a, an expert. I'm still very much in that learning early stage mode, but th- th- that is something that really uh, appeals to me. One line of one of your earlier podcasts, which really uh, resonated with me, was that idea of making money from the money and being able to see to see something grow over a sustained period of time really, really sort of appeals to me. And it, it's just a sense of with the investment trust and the funds, you know, knowing that your, your money has been, it's, it's more of a, it's professionalised. You know, you're not just sort of doing it on your own, you know, sat in your bedroom, just making a lot of speculative risks. There, there's a lot more of a professionalised element to it, I would say, which um, gives mm-hmm. one a certain level of um, re- reassurance. I mean, just going back to your earlier question as well, one of the things which helped me actually become a lot more aware of investments actually was one of my workplace pensions happened to be with um, one of the um, well-known insurance uh, brokers. So that began to make me aware, oh, pensions are actually in, in the stock market. One of, one of my pensions, my, the fir- my, my first pension I started paying into was with a public sector organisation. And it was a defined uh, final salary type pension. And then the second one was a private one. And it was the first time I'd have a pension, which was dependent on, its performance was dependent on how the company performed on the stock market. So I think that made me become a lot more aware of the actual sophisticated nature and the multifaceted nature of, um, of investments. And it's, it's a much broader world than just sort of simplifying it to, you know, what, you know just trading um, on making a few trades and gambling, it, it, there's a, a lot more to it than that. Um, and I also think as well that the public is something for everybody in there. I've been surprised, but it's that how accessible it is and how actual and how it actually caters to a lot of things that people need in their life. And it's, and it's actually a lot more relevant to me than I thought it was many years ago where I had quite a distorted impression of what the 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 investment were all about very interesting all right well let's get on to uh some of the concepts really that you have been coming into contact with and i think uh in particular i asked you to to listen to the 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 second podcast in the series with the advisor sam sloma but i know you also listened to the first as well with moira o'neill and you found lots of bits interesting in it let's start start off first of all i mean you're sort of you're looking forward now you're thinking about making some investments in the stock markets Let's start with volatility. How do you how do you feel? I mean, does that make you nervous that you'll have these periods where you might see your investments falling in the stock market? Or has some of what Sam and Moira have said give you a bit of comfort that stock markets do recover and that you just need to hold on tight? You see, in the past, 
I would have taken the opposite view that I'm worrying when the when the when the share price goes down. But now I'm a bit more because I work because I I, I work in the media and I follow current affairs. I'm a bit more I I'm aware of the fact that there are external factors. So obviously there's things the economy is the economy is 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 um, interconnected, and there's external factors that may happen which can affect a company's share price. I think generally it's, it's, it's the long-term view because over an extended period of time, you know, if a company has m- more successes than failure, has more significant successes than failures, then, you know, the your investment is going to do okay. So for me, I've just been able to bet to, to have that appreciation, appreciation more. I suppose it because with age, I suppose, I think, 10 years ago, I probably would have been, you know, more anxious and, uh, you, you know, worried more about, you know, seeing the stock price go down. But I think as um, your podcast touched on, you know, it, you can't get, I think one of the podcasts made a great comment that you have to actually not be as invested in it. Um you know, it sounds quite paradoxical, but you have to not get too invested into it. You have to be able to actually say, right, I'm going to invest this amount of money, whether as a lump sum or monthly, and then say, right, I'm going to put it in, trust it, um, and take that long-term view. Like, is Because the danger is obviously if you get too bogged down into it, you can end up you know, seeing your stock go down and then you uh, end up taking money out. And one of the lines from your podcast, which really stuck with me, was when um, you know you compared the returns of two people. One person who had taken money out, the impatient person, and then the cautious person who left the money in. And you know that those kind of figures, I think, help uh, you know um, leave those fears at bay, even if they do come back in. To, to remember that you know you've got. A real examples here of you know what happens when you panic it might seem like the, the best thing now to do in the short term but you'll pay for it later on so it's best to stay cool remember why you invested in these companies in the first place remember their fundamentals their key strengths and just um, be in it for the long the long term i would say so just for the benefit of our listeners this was a bit of research that alliance trust has done and they were looking at the impact of of small changes to your portfolio when markets drop so they they gave to investors 10,000 pounds theoretically they gave to investors 10,000 pounds in 1992 uh, to invest in alliance trust and each month they added 100 pounds and they reinvested all their dividends as well whenever they were paid out but one of them if the market dipped 5% the impatient investor sold 25% of their holdings, so just a small amount, quarter of their holdings. And when it had recovered by 10%, they bought them back, whilst the patient investor sat tight. And what they found after 30 years was that the impatient investor had a portfolio of £217,884, whereas the patient investor had a whopping £410,272. So that's a difference of 
872 pounds so it just it shows you this the enormous impact that actually a small change can have on your portfolio samson did that did that surprise you how how big an impact it could have yeah that that that's that difference really really surprised me actually it really it really brought home to me that you, you, you it's really important to take that long view take that 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 um long-term approach towards investment like you can't what that really brought home to me is that you can't be half-hearted you're either all in so you, you, you're either committing to regular investment or putting a lump sum or whatever or, or not you can't that there's no halfway house um in that sense it was great to actually hear those kind of figures because i think the temptation is even even if you say you're going to take the long-term view you know human psychology is understandably built in a way where if you're seeing the value of money your money go down you know you want to react so as humans we always want to react to things we always want to feel like we're in control so hearing those figures you know makes even as much as you want to say to yourself right i'm in it for the long term i want to take my money out you know in that situation it's 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 very it's very understandable that can happen so having those figures in the back of one's mind can keep someone from being tempted to take money out to 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 get that short-term feeling and right i i i've been able to salvage some money um so i think hearing those figures i think it's really useful for even the most experienced investors to actually keep in mind why they invested in the first place and keeping that long-term view at the uh, forefront yeah. of their mind. So you would say it has changed your attitudes to being truly long-term and that when you, when you invest in these sorts of portfolios that you really need to just keep that in mind and stick with it and, and not change course you would say that hearing that has sort of changed your view a little bit yeah i think it would i mean when you hear um these kind of anecdotal stories about the compound interest and the difference between you know behaving in different ways i think it, that that really helps you know keep one focused on what on what the goal is and not to lose sight of you know why you're doing it in the first place you know, it's not just something you're yeah. doing for the fun of it. You know, hopefully, you know, you do enjoy it. But it, there is a there is an end goal which you're working towards, and having those figures helps keep one on track with with, with those goals. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, with compounding, you know, Albert Einstein, who was a relatively smart gentleman, uh, said that compounding was the eighth wonder of the world. Yeah. And it's true because when you look at graphs of returns over time, it, they, the gains increasing, they gather speed the longer and longer you go. And we're talking long periods of time, 20, 30 years. Those gains upon gains that Sam was talking about in his podcast really start to show their fruit you know and, and and you see the graph flicking up in terms of some of the returns that you can make so it's why you know the crux of, of this series has has been this this taking this patient long-term approach because there are so many benefits to to doing so um and just in terms of of how you're going to approach 
your investments. What about some of the things that were said around lump sum or drip feeding your investments? I mean, Sam made an interesting point. I mean, certainly around periods of stock market volatility and when people are starting out and they're a bit nervous about, you know, at what where the market is right now is they, they tend to take a bit of a drip fed approach to their investments. He was actually saying that lump sum investing, it, it, it can be uh, better for your returns. How will you approach it, do you reckon, Samson? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, uh, Marcus. So I've been considering, you know, what what is the right balance to strike between the the lump sum and the drip-free, as you, as you describe it. I've sort of been trying to decide, you know, what is the best approach for me to go with. And, you know, like most things in life, it probably lies somewhere in the middle between uh, putting in, a lump sum of some kind and then also you, you know to get started but then also sustaining that and keeping that going with um monthly s- sums i'm sort of in a position fortunately where i can do both so i'm just trying to decide you know what is the best approach to do because obviously as someone relatively new to this you want to try and like strike that right balance between you know the but you want to pour all your money into it. But then obviously you need to put in a decent, you know, size for it to grow, you know, like a plant, you know, you need to, you know, put a, if I can use this analogy, you need to put a certain amount of nutrients in it to help it grow. So I think I'm just trying to see, you know, what is the right balance to actually get, um, get an investment off the ground. Okay, right. So you want to you want to put enough in to begin with, so that it it has a bit of a chance to to grow to something significant. But you but you will continue and then keep that going with the with the drip feed of of regular regular monthly payments, which actually is something interesting because you know I hadn't actually really thought of regular monthly payments before. A lot of my thinking, to be honest with you, had been more about the lump sum approach, but actually. You know, there is a lot of value um, in the drip free approach as well because it's that sustained um, investment and that compound. And actually, I can actually see more of the value of the drip uh, approach itself as well because something which sounds obvious but I actually hadn't thought about before as much is actually the making money, the money from the money. Because, you know, if you put an amount in um, and you make profit from that, and then you put in money the next month and the subsequent months, that's going to start to build up. And that's something that even as obvious as it sounds, I've never actually really thought about it. Okay, well, on that note, I would like to thank Samson Dada for joining me and chatting through his plans for his financial future. And I'm afraid that is it for the mini series. So a very big thank you to our sponsors, Alliance Trust. If you'd like to learn more about their strategy, it's an interesting one. It's a big, globally diversified investment trust. It's got history stretching all the way back to 1888. Uh, And it's a multi-manager trust as well. So it has nine different stock pickers that are selecting stocks from around the world. So if you'd like to learn more about that, then please go to alliancetrust.co.uk. Or of course, if you've got any broader questions that you'd like to fire at me, then please send me an email, marcus at stepstoinvesting.com. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.